Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Reborn Football Podcast. I'm Tans, and I'm here with Fuego. And as usual, we're going to get started with today's verse of the episode. So I'm going to let Fuego take it away on this episode. So the verse of the episode for this episode is Romans 8 verse 26. And it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So, um, I was looking at this, or I said, yeah, I was looking at this verse in a Bible study. Uh, just happened to be yesterday, actually. Um, wasn't really tied directly to the point that we were looking at, the story we were looking at, but um, basically it's talking about how the Holy Spirit intercedes for children of God in prayer at times where one maybe can't pray because, you know, they're in such a desperate situation or again, in a desperate situation or a helpless or hopeless situation, a situation that seems helpless or hope hopeless um that the holy spirit kind of intercedes on our behalf and intercession basically just means um doing that thing on that person's behalf so in this case prayer so we were looking at the story of hannah so hannah um if for people who might not be too familiar with her story um she was one of two wives of um particular man in that time and she ended up being the mother of the prophet samuel but to get to the point of being the mother of Prophet Samuel, she went through a lot of, you know, um, difficult times in the sense that um, she was barren. So the Lord closed her womb. That was the first thing. She did not have any children, whereas the other wife of her husband had um, quite a few children. And she used to tease her and basically, you know, make fun of her that, um, you know, she didn't have any children while the other wife had all the children and all she really wanted was a child in particular it said in the story a male child so the story can be found in first samuel chapter one the initial part of the story um where i'm linking this verse to and the point was that hannah was you know she was swore she was bitter because this woman just kept taunting her and taunting her for the one thing that she did not have she didn't understand why she didn't have this thing but you know there was a point where she was praying um and the priest saw her praying and she was at the point of complete and utter desperation where she was praying her mouth was moving but there were no words coming out of her mouth and the priest thought that this was a woman who obviously had had too much to drink and was just here in the church just being drunk and you know she he asked basically asked her when will you put this drink away from you um but that was the point where she had nothing left she could not say anything else she could not pray anything else but we link this verse romans 8 verse 26 into this moment where she was helpless in that situation but the holy spirit saw that god saw that and the holy spirit with those groanings that cannot be uttered made those made her petition known to god god heard those groanings and god you know uh, came to her rescue so yes she also made a vow 
um, actually uh, made true on that promise or that vow to God, um, which is maybe a secondary point here. But the main thing that we're looking at is the fact that, you know, she was in a situation where she couldn't do anything by herself. And the Holy Spirit is the one who took control and brought her case to God, basically, when she couldn't do it anymore. Um, yeah, just to second what um, Fuego has said here. And yeah, um, you know, the kind of a moral or a lesson point to take from that story is that, you know, God knows our innermost thoughts. He knows our heart. He knows our desires even before we pray, even before we pray for them, you know, which, um, you know, it should give us a level of confidence that our God, you know, has our best interest at heart, even though we might not see, you know, that's why it says, you know, for a kind of a secondary verse in um, Proverbs 3 verse 5, to trust uh, in the Lord your God and lean not on your own understanding, you know, like sometimes you might be wondering, you know, why God is, sometimes you might even be wondering why God is not answering a certain prayer, but you might not even know that the Holy Spirit is interceding on your behalf, knowing that this prayer might not be, you know, it might be a prayer that you want from your flesh, but it might not be, you know, exactly what's needed for you, you know, so it's just, it's one of those things, you just have to have that trust and that faith in God, and then, you know, be encouraged by the fact that the Holy Spirit is looking out for you, you know, something it's it's said that people say that um you know cry when you cry like physically cry you know tears like that can be prayer as well that can be God hearing you hearing your heart hearing your cries of pain you know so it's just um knowing and be, you know being allowing yourself to be in, encompassed in the security and the love of God in that sense yeah another thing that just on that point that you made about when you physically cry I think. For me personally, this verse, I won't say it didn't make sense to me before, but, you know, when you hear the Holy Spirit intercedes on one's behalf with groanings that cannot be uttered, you're like, okay, so is it that the Holy Spirit is making noises and God is hearing these noises? Um, But I know maybe not too recently, but uh, maybe a year or two ago, I had a conversation with my mom to do with this uh, verse. And she basically said that, you know, these groanings can be literally anything. It could be something like physical tears that you talked about there where you're just so kind of lost in this situation. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. And those emotions are just flushing out. God sees that. And God is just to, you know, come in and sort your situation out. The groaning could also be in the form of you know you know when you're just so stressed so frustrated with something you just let out this kind of very labored sigh so a sigh like that can be the groaning that god will hear and you know there's a lot when you think about times where you've sighed like that there's a lot of emotion that goes into that a lot of things coming together that you know you're just thinking about that all at once and you kind of just let it out like that God sees that. God hears that. And again, God is a just God and he will fight on your behalf. If it's a case of fighting in a situation, he will, you know, open that door. If it's a case of you need a breakthrough or something like that, again, for his children. So a lot of everything that we talk about is for God's children. So if you're not a child of God, 
this unfortunately doesn't apply to you but of course as children of god who which we are and um, by god's grace um you know god will fight on your behalf amen 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 um on that note um i think we're gonna head into the football portion of the podcast so um upon recording we are um just under um i think just around a week and a half to two weeks away from um a big a big premier league title showdown between arsenal and liverpool at the emirates which is going to be on the 4th of february sunday the 4th of february and this is the this is actually the third time that arsenal and liverpool are playing each other in a relatively short space of time with um being a 1-1 draw at Anfield in the Premier League in late December, then Arsenal losing 2-0 at home in the FA Cup third round um, in early January, and then obviously this game um, at the start of February. And um, obviously, actually, Liverpool, I was actually looking at the fixture list, and Liverpool are playing Chelsea midweek before that game. So it's a, a rather big week for Liverpool, two massive games. And, you know, you'd expect that Liverpool will be placing that week high on their list of priorities in terms of, you know, what they want to achieve in the Premier League this season. And, I mean, it's a pretty big game for Arsenal as well. Obviously, Arsenal have had a very well-documented blip or, you know, fall rather the past um, few weeks with the three losses in a row, losing to West Ham and Fulham in the league and Liverpool in the FA Cup. And, you know, while winning 5-0 the other day against Crystal Palace, you know, there's still a lot of doubts that's creeped in um, about Arsenal's, um, Arsenal's, Arsenal's, um, what's the, Arsenal's expectations, you know, what Arsenal can achieve this season. So, f- um, Fuego, you as an outsider, what are you thinking about, you know, Arsenal, what's gone on um, with us recently this season? I think it's kind of, it's, it's going to happen, so... You know, we see huge expectations placed on players, on a team to just perform all the time. I mean, you kind of look at City as a prime example and we saw a slightly longer um, poor run of form where City went three three straight games, uh, dropping points with draws. And then I think they went, they went two losses after that, but they went maybe five or six matches winless in the league and you know questions are being asked about that but you know we see similar things happen to City most seasons maybe not that severe but we see a similar thing happen to them most seasons so I think it's a thing of it just shows how far Arsenal have come in terms of there was a time where Arsenal lose three games in a row nobody's batting an eyelid not necessarily because they're mid-table but more so because they're not challenging for a title. So Arsenal, I believe, are worthy of that um, title-challenging credibility that you know they, they kind of can stand on that simply because everybody's eyes are on them now that they've lost two, three games in a row. What does that mean for Arsenal's title hopes? I don't think it dashes their title hopes like that. Me personally, I'm always obviously going to back my own team. But seeing how far Arsenal have come in the last few years, I just think it stands to them that, you know, this will happen, but they will bounce back. They will come back stronger. They'll come back better and possibly even, you know, move further in their title challenge. Yeah, I mean, as an Arsenal fan, uh, obviously it was annoying that lower run of games that we went on. 
But looking at kind of like underlying stats and, you know, watching the game, seeing how we're performing, we're just, we've just been really, really wasteful. Like, I think, you know, not even exaggerating, I think our four at like main attackers just kind of forgot how to play football for like three weeks. <laughs> like, uh, like it was like every single thing that normally worked for them just wasn't working. Like it, poor, poor finishes, poor, especially that West Ham game. That West Ham game really annoyed me. We had 30 shots, like so much XG. And like, and we, I, I still don't know to this day how we lost that game. But look, it happens. It happens. And I feel like we will, um, you know, come back to form. I was actually saying in the lead up to Crystal Palace game that like at a point, someone's going to get a big beating from us because we've been leaving so many goals on the table. Mm. It's kind of like, you know, law of averages, like how it works. But um, yeah, I feel like, you know, we will kind of, you know, come back and get up to speed once again. But even talking on Liverpool, Liverpool have been, you know, you have to give it to them. Liverpool have been outstanding this season, a lot better than I personally expected them to be. Um, even what's it called? Realistically, like they should be unbeaten. It was that bogus game against Tottenham that was that's actually been their only defeat this season. Mm. So they actually should should be unbeaten. And the thing is with Liverpool is that they are so clinical, but like in both boxes, mm-hmm. they're so efficient. Like they defend well in the box with Van Dijk, Kanate, but then when it comes to taking chances, Salah, Jota, you know, Diaz, all these guys, like I wouldn't say Nunes. Nunes scored two goals yesterday, but like Nunes is not really clinical, but like even here, you know, he scored two goals mm-hmm. yesterday. 10 goals, 10 assists in all competitions. Is that Nunes? Uh, yeah, 10 goals, 10 assists in all competitions. He's the first to get a double-double in all competitions <sighs> this season in okay. the league. Yeah, that's that's interesting. You, you, you know, so like Liverpool are really doing well. And yeah, like I say, they will probably go all the way in terms of like being up there, challenging for the title. Yeah, this season, I think, compared to maybe last season, season before, it's been, uh, it's been a huge improvement. And I think that isn't, really to do with recruitment because we're looking at the same players that we saw say last season where it didn't really work out for them um but i think klopp is kind of he's refining and rejigging things again the same way that you'd see with say i think this is the longest the pep has ever been at a club so it's a thing where i don't know if it's the longest the club has ever been at a club but you work with the same players for a significant amount of time you need to start you know um, fleshing out new ideas and different things like that and whatever he's kind of done this season has worked. Now, in terms of do they deserve to have won all the games they've won this season? I don't know. But what I will say, as you said about them being clinical in both boxes, they know how to take the chances. They know how to manage a game very well. That Arsenal game in the FA Cup was, this is how you manage a game. Arsenal were all over them I, for I, majority of that match. I, like, I don't even want to be so yeah, but like I feel like that was just really on us. We had so many chances. Mm. Like I like that. I'm not even trying to be salty or take away credit from Liverpool. Like you take your chances, you win two 0 You know, like that's a really good win. But like I just feel that was us being absolutely wasteful on that day. But like even coming back to Liverpool, like the things with Liverpool is that. You know, even in football, we're always trying to do all these stats and, you know, while they help, while they help us to understand the game. The funniest thing is that football always comes back to the team with the best players wins. And when you have guys like Trent, 
Van Dyke and Salah and then Allison and Go. When you have four world class players like that, you have a chance in any mm. game, even if you even if you have five percent possession. It's true. It's true. Like that that Arsenal game baffled me to the point that it was like how have Arsenal not taken their chances? Because you look at the scoreline, if you didn't watch the match, you look at the scoreline and you're like, oh, sure, Liverpool didn't do too badly. They, they, it wasn't wasn't necessarily a comfortable victory, but like 2-0, they kept a clean sheet, they scored two goals, whatever you want to say. But Liverpool did struggle to actually score. It wasn't until late enough into the match that they actually scored. And I, like, I watched the whole game and I was thinking to myself, I was like, Arsenal are going to beat this team. It's only a matter of time until Arsenal score and it just didn't come. So Liverpool, a little bit of luck on their side sometimes. Another match that I think back to, I was in um, a friend's house watching Liverpool Burnley. And I was thinking to myself, I was looking at it. Burnley actually were going toe-to-toe with Liverpool at that point. I don't remember what it was. I don't think it was a thing of um, injuries or, you know, people not being unavailable or anything like that. Liverpool did end up winning that match like they... I don't remember what the score was now, but I remember Jota came on, Luis Diaz came on, Sobosloy came on, they all came on together, and within I don't know how many minutes, Diaz assist, Jota goal, very coolly taken goal, James Trafford, very inexperienced goalkeeper, but very good goalkeeper at that, because I think he's, what, 20, 21? He's a um, City Academy product as well. But Burnley held their own in that match, but Liverpool just... It was quality. They showed class at the end of the day. They were really, in my opinion, they were sloppy that day, but they showed class at the very at the end of the day. So, as you said, team of the best players wins, and Liverpool have been showing it this season that you know they're not they're not messing about this season. So, yeah, even even yesterday the four 0 win against Bournemouth, like just clinical. I think they scored four goals off like one point five xg or something like that. Even even getting specifically into Jota, Jota is a ridiculous finisher. Like the like both feet just put it into the corners. Like every single like every single like fundamental you get taught as a fin as a fin about finishing mm-hmm. as a kid, he just you know takes every single one of it into consideration. Both feet, bottom corner, top corner, in off the post. Like he's just an insane finisher, and that's you know that's the thing I always talk about. Like. You need some guys who are going to defy the stats in your team. Liverpool have been doing that for years, but not like to the point where you are cheating the stats, but you have to like, you know, you have to defy the stats. You know, that's why you have good finishers. That's why you have a goalkeeper that, you know, it looks like it's going to go in, but the goalkeeper just about makes an amazing save. You need some guys that are going to regulate things for you. Mm-hmm. You get like Liverpool may have a, maybe a spell where like they have so many chances, like they have like, you know, maybe like two XG worth of goals and it's still nil-nil. Then Jota comes on and scores from a 0.05 XG chance, you know. Mm. So it's one of those things. I think, yeah, Liverpool are definitely a force to be reckoned with this season. It's unfortunate for them that they didn't qualify for the Champions League. They would have gone far. They would have, they would have. I just wanted to point out something to do with Jota in particular. I know... I saw something a few hours ago. Jamie Carragher made a very, very, very outlandish statement. Um, who did he mention? Owen. Sorry, I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna pull oh, up. One of the, he said he, I think he said he was very, like very one of the best, man. one very of the best finishers. He said he was better than Owen and Fowler and who, who else? In, in finishing, like I think he said, and Suarez. 
Yes. And Suarez, yeah. And Suarez. I've seen, I've seen that earlier as well. It's like he's, he's forgotten the players that he played he played with. But Jota is a very, very, very good finisher. Like he hasn't he hasn't played enough to to for to anybody be, to, to say be. he's better than Fowler or better than Suarez. Right. Suarez is probably one of the best finishers of his generation. Suarez is arguably the best player that Liverpool have ever had. Like like you get what I'm saying? Like Gerard mm-hmm. is the best Liverpool player, but Suarez is the best player Liverpool have ever had. It's like it's like it's like Rooney and Ronaldo for United. No, yeah, here. Like hear Rooney, Rooney's probably United's greatest ever player, but Ronaldo's easily the best player that United have ever had. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. But I'm even thinking of it from the um, Jota's psycho- uh, psychological point of view in terms of the impact that he's having on the pitch. Jota is not a is not a Liverpool starter, so. Salah will start over him. But what I'm seeing is that he's doing this role as an impact sub and he's doing it so well that in my opinion, if I was Jota, I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, okay, yes, I'm not playing a full 90 minutes, but every time I go on, I'm scoring a goal or I'm scoring two goals or I'm getting a goal contribution. I'm pushing this team forward and I'm playing my part in this team even though I'm not playing the 90 minutes. Am I satisfied with that? Maybe he is at this current moment in time. Now, that being said, you look at that, kind of situation that Liverpool have going on I feel like starting him would disrupt it yes I was literally about to say I feel like more time Jota does better coming off the bench you know mm-hmm. there are players like that yeah you, they will you know they will have like they'll score coming off the bench three games in a row then they will start and look absolutely horrible and it's not even because they can't hack a 90 minutes it's not because oh their their powers just fade when they start from minute one it's not like that it's more there's a there's a particular flow pattern that the game has got to when they come on that they just know how to Thriving, insert themselves yeah. in like that. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, maybe for that fact and the fact that Jota understands that, Klopp understands that, there's a mutual understanding there, which is the reason why Jota's not gonna complain that he's not starting. Obviously, with Salah gone at the at this current moment in time for Afcon, somebody needs to step up. That's Jota. But my fear for Liverpool is that they will lose Jota in the next few years because of their stingy wage. Um, what what would philosophy. you philosophy? I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind. It's kind of yeah. Policy is the word. It's kind of weird because they lost Firmino because of that. They lost Mane because of that. And those were two. Now I'm not saying that. Obviously, they had their part to play in the Liverpool story at that time. Like these guys won the Champions League. These guys won everything that they could win by maybe the Carabao Cup, but who cares about the Carabao Cup anyway? They, they actually won that too, to be fair. Did they? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the penalties when Kepa missed. Okay, yes. <laughs> yeah. Kepa is not, he's not, he's not okay. <laughs> they, they said, Willy Caballero has won how many Carabao Cups on his ones in penalty shootouts? And he said, no, I'm staying on. I'm bro, injured, but bro, I'm staying on. Bro, Kepa's, me- Kepa, Kepa's messed up two Carabao Cup <laughs> finals for Chelsea. The, what's it Yeah, the one you're talking about. Yeah, the City one. The City <laughs> one. The bro, Caballero's a penalty save specialist. It's not even that. We've seen it. Like, it's tra- it's proven. One is proven. Two, you're injured, for God's sake. To be fair, yeah. You I get will, what I'm I, saying? I will give Kepa some credit. Kepa's actually good at saving penalties as well. It, like, And he saved the penalty in that in shooter. That shoot, uh, but then he also had another one that he should have saved that he didn't save but no the funniest thing will always be the liverpool chelsea final how can 
how can you not save one penalty, including that Van Dijk one, when he moved to the side, Van Dijk put it that side and he still scored. I imagine, imagine after letting in 11 penalties, he yeah, has the goalkeeper, and then you, you blast your penalty over the bar. H- how did he get out the dressing room? I don't even know. Because <laughs> was it not? Kelleher played that match for Liverpool. Yeah, Kelleher, Kelleher scored his penalty. penalty. And Kepa couldn't. Bro. So it's kind of like that's, that's a, a, a sidetracking type of thing. But in terms of those Liverpool players that I was talking about, that they were key at the time. I don't, in my personal opinion, I think, you know, there's a time and there's a season for everything and um, their season somewhat had passed at the point that they did leave. So if they were still, if they're still at Liverpool, I don't think they would be serving the same purpose. But then at the same time, the way that they left Liverpool and the reason they left Liverpool was mainly to do with wages. And I'm like, you can't bump up a man's salary by 40k or by 50k to show him that you value him as a player at this club because why i don't really understand it's not like liverpool don't have the money but it's more i i don't know what the the situation is there but i feel like for that reason and for the fact that jota is giving them this unique kind of firepower from the bench as a first team quality player if he doesn't get a wage increase he's not gonna stay um, I don't, I don't know, cause that might be a more long term thing rather that's, than that's, a short term. That's more long term issue, and then even thinking, I mean, you know, Jota probably knows that he's probably getting slighted a little bit in the wages, but you know, there's always those players that are willing to give up a little bit for the betterment of the team, mm-hmm. especially when you get to that kind of like level where you're earning a lot anyway. The like the wage increase that you would get, yeah, great, but like you know, pros versus cons, winning versus more money for myself. Like some players are going to make sure they get that money for themselves, but other players like winning. Mm -hmm. And then people also talk about winning, like it doesn't bring money as well. Bonuses, (laughs) like, you know, money for the club and and everything. Mm. But um, yeah, man, Liverpool, Liverpool just got to keep all these attackers uh, together. Even Nunes, you know, coming good this season, you know, obviously still missing his chances, but you know, he's really, he's one of those players, like, when, when Nunes comes on, he's, he's a chance magnet, he's a, he's a, he generates football, mm-hmm. like, even, whether it's assists, whether it's making runs, whether it's, you know, a little dummy for his teammate, like, you know, he's a player that, okay, he's not gonna, doesn't look like he will get you 30 goals a season, but he'll probably contribute, he's, I mean, he's already contributed to 20, yeah. he might contribute to 30 goals this season, mm-hmm. you know, so that's, Oh uh, yeah, I mean Liverpool. Liverpool are looking good. I will say that keep an eye out for a slight kind of regression to the mean for Liverpool. I feel like things might catch up to them a little bit, like a little bit further down the line because, like, defensively they kind of get away with a lot. Like you're gonna get chances against Liverpool, you know. But then attacking wise, they create a lot of chances. I won't say that they're like cheating their chances or anything they create a lot of chances you know so it's just it's one of them things but in terms of the game arsenal v liverpool honestly at the emirates i'm going to be confident and say that we can get the win but obviously liverpool can definitely come and get a result too i think it's all going to be for me personally it's a it's psychological warfare with this is salah playing is salah not playing i know 
somebody like Aitata is going to be like, don't focus on that rubbish because that is not what we're here to do. We're here to play as a team. We're here to play the team that is there, that is coming to to the Emirates, and we're we're here to beat them. So Arteta is not going to is going to purposefully tell his players not to worry about that. But this whole Salah coming off in the first few minutes of his first Afcon game, going back to the club to to do his re- rehabilitation, and then they're talking about or if he's fit for the final, he'll probably go back to to the Ivory Coast. It's like they're they're doing it on purpose. I think they're doing it on purpose. I will. I will lie, man. You know, it's why. It's why. Um, things like this, no matter what the real story is, things like this are why Salah isn't rated that highly in African football discourse. No, like, like he he really isn't rated that highly. I don't think he's even like. He's. I don't think he's even rated like as high as some people want to rate him in Egypt, like because obviously, Egypt won three, Afcons in a row before Salah showed up, and mm-hmm. Salah hasn't won one. Like, you know, there's obviously discourse now about Salah being, you know, one of the greatest African footballers of all time. And I'd be willing to put him top five, top ten, but you can't be a top... I don't think you can be, like, number one when you haven't won an AFCON. Yeah, it's one of them things that, you know, you look at... For want of a better example, you look at Ronaldo. Yes, he didn't play his part in the final because he got injured. But Ronaldo has won the Euros. Ronaldo has won the Nations League. You know, he's won everything that he needs to win. Apart from the World Continentally, continentally, to be considered one of Europe's greatest greatest footballers. But yeah, Salah needs to, even if he doesn't win, he needs to get, like he needs to be an instrumental part of Egypt getting fire in that competition for there to be anything to write home about in Egypt about him as a footballer you can be you can be that you can win the Premier League five times with Liverpool you don't do anything for Egypt they're not going to remember you even even Osimhen as well Osimhen has to watch out for that obviously Osimhen is the current African footballer of the year Mm -hmm. but you know um, obviously he has he has been a bit wasteful in this Afghan and just thinking like yeah everyone in Nigeria loves you now but if you go another one tournament, two tournaments, you get to three tournaments, underperforming at AFCON, haven't brought home number four for Nigeria, the conversations are going to start looking a lot different, even in Nigeria. Exactly, you're, you're, you're right there. You know, like, like, especially national football. National football is a lot more, it's an emotional kind of, it's, a mo- it's an emotional discussion, it's an emotional feeling. Like, we don't want to hear... We don't want to hear all these numbers. We don't want to hear, yeah, you score 40 goals every season. You did this, you did that. You didn't do it for you, us. You didn't do it for us. Exactly. You know, you didn't do it for us. You know, in terms of like that situation, probably only Drogba is probably the only player like that's going to get away with clearly being the best player in his country's history, even though he didn't bring home an AFCON because like mm. that's a bit different. He still is clearly like he's clearly the best country's play, best players country's ever had. Exactly. But like, yeah, it's one of those things, you know. Like, in terms of Afcon, you really got to bring home that you you got to bring home that trophy. You know, you really got to bring home that trophy. Yeah. Hopefully, next I believe it will be the next episode. We'll be hoping to bring you some Afcon predictions and also hoping to get into a little breakdown of the competition as a whole that might be the episode after but um you know it's still ongoing so we're not gonna talk too much on it just in case things change nigeria did win today true to the 
round of 16. Not going to make any predictions though for the round of 16 because it's possible that by the time this episode comes out, we could be knocked out. God but, forbid, I mean, but like... But God forbid, God forbid, God forbid, God forbid. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, not going to make any predictions because AFCON is really hard to predict. Exactly. A, a right back in the Spanish like second or third division is the top scorer in AFCON right now. That's a bit and, random, and, yeah. And, and Osimhen can't score to save his life. So the, he, the, he, the goal he even scored in the first match, it was so awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying this to my brother, it's so, so bro, awkward. But we haven't scored one goal, but like like Naira Mali said, even if it's a penalty, it's, it's a, a goal. goal. It's Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Nah, well, on that note, I think we'll we'll wrap up this episode. Thank you so much if you got this far. We appreciate you so much if you didn't get this far and you're listening back again. Thank you for listening back. Um, you can catch us on our socials at Reborn Football Podcast. That's on Instagram. Um, you can listen to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, YouTube. You know there. The link will be in the description wherever you're listening to this from. So you'll be able to find the link tree, which will have all of the links to everywhere that the the, pla- the podcast can be found. Again, thank you so much, guys, for being with us. Yeah, thank you for giving us your time. I appreciate you guys. And yeah, God bless and see you guys for the next episode.